Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. We miss you, Jessa. I've missed you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you? Yes, this is I Miss You, Man. Uh, I'm Lonnie. He's Dylan. How you doing, Dylan? Fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Yourself? Yeah, not so bad. Uh, before we get started, can you tell us the I Miss You Man story? Well, Lonnie, it's about you and me taking each other on a journey each week. It could be about anything. Life, pop culture, everything in between. Sometimes we're super lucky and super grateful if we have someone to join us on that journey. A little passenger, <laughs> if you will. That's right. You've heard her voice already. Today we've bent the rules to allow a woman... To come into the Mystery Man Studios, <laughs> Jessa, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing really well. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good. We were so so grateful to. I always feel weird about this podcast, right? Because it's got a Mystery Man, but we're not like super macho misogynist sort of style podcast. We really want to have different voices, so it's always good to have a different female voice. I reckon. Well, I'm happy to be here. I love it. Excellent. Uh, long-time listeners remember Jessa from some earlier episodes. It's been a little while, but you're there in a back catalogue. Um, yeah. We spoke about Teen Girl magazines because um, that's your podcast. What's your podcast again? Well, it was called My Girlfriend Dolly. Um, my co-host decided to start a family and um, move with her fiancé um, to, I don't even know where she lives, somewhere in um, the Northern Territory. Right. And, um, yeah, as a result, our podcast has gone on a bit of a hiatus. Um, so I'm happy to be the guest star. That's exciting. Imagine how sweet it'll be when you come back from your five-year hiatus, you know? <laughs> the kids are in high school and me and I just, like, <laughs> bring back the podcast One again. day. Um, <laughs> we also, we flicked through a zoo magazine um, for a bit of fun. So Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that? That was a good, good afternoon, wasn't that it? That was... That was wild. <laughs> um, we're so glad you picked up the microphone again for us. Um, it's been, been too long. It's a magazine reviews are our thing. And I was going through eBay recently and I stumbled across a pretty recognisable Rolling Stones magazine cover from 1999. Bada bing, bada boom, here we are talking about that very magazine with a little guy called Jar Jar Binks on the cover. Um... Dylan, you're a big Star Wars fan. Yes. Are you a big Jar Jar Binks fan? I mean, I'm not a massive fan. Mm -hmm. I don't despise him like most people do. Right. I think he's fine (laughs) for what he is. He's a a pure innocent soul and he means well at the end of the day. (laughs) He definitely does. This uh, magazine cover is from July. The movie came out in May. Um, but obviously magazines come out towards the end of the month for the next month sort of thing. So this is right at the beginning 
of what I think they were probably hoping was like Jar Jar Mania. But as this article um, sort of highlights and, and foreshadows, it was very much the opposite for poor Jar Jar Binks. Um, on this cover, though, he's there in his CGI glory. He's been a bit cheeky. He's reading the August 1977 Rolling Stone, which had Luke, Leia, Han and Chewbacca on the cover from the first Star Wars film. So kind of an interesting cover in that sense. It's drawing the connection between the originals and the new trilogy. Um, it's also funny to think that he's reading a magazine of people from the future for him. Anyway, doesn't make sense, but good fun. Um, uh, Dylan, Star Wars fan, are you a Rolling Stones magazine fan? No, no. No? No, I hardly ever read the magazines. So this will be interesting. First exposure to the Rolling Stone. Okay, that's cool. What about you, Jess? So you're a bit of a magazine um, fan in general, but what about Rolling Stone? Yeah. Hated Rolling Stone. Whoa, really? Why? <laughs> yeah, um, because the readers are all a bunch of whingers. <laughs> Whenever they did like the Rolling Stone version of You Speak, it was just always like them ragging on how bad the magazine is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, I don't know, it just, it just kind of um, every article was like, oh, this is a new um, hot band and then you'd probably never hear of them again. Like I just don't really mm. feel like they had their, their finger on the pulse, I guess. I see. Well, it's interesting you say that because I kind of um, said this off pod, but going through this magazine, I, I probably naturally was drawn towards the movies anyway because that's my sort of thing, less the music side of it. But a lot of these bands I've never even heard of. So obviously uh-huh. they were, they're important enough to be in Rolling Stone, but then a lot of them have not carried on through to 2023. But you know, Jar Jar has, so good on him. <laughs> um, I guess it's um, I guess it's also like it was a very you know American magazine, yeah, so sure. maybe a lot of these bands probably didn't just kind of make it over to us in Australia. Yeah, that's that. Although I true. did, I did see, I did notice just looking through here, they do mention Powderfinger and Silverchair. Yeah, so I think there's like this is like an Australian version of it. They have a bit of Australian flavour for the locals, but ah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Dylan, big Star Wars fan. We've talked about Star Wars plenty of times in this podcast, probably too often. Um, but Jessa, you're not a, a huge fan, I hear. I've never seen any. Okay, how, how have all. you gone this long in your life without watching any Star Wars? I went to watch one in the cinema and I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know which one it was? The one after this one. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. well, I, think, I mean, yeah. that's fair. Attack of the Clones. Was it really um, boring? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like my, my boyfriend at the time, I told him I didn't want to go mm. and he still made me go and I just fell asleep. Well, that's his fault, really, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I warned him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. No, it's actually not that uncommon for, um. Yeah. I, I think, for a lot of women because it seems like it's a nerdy thing, you know, it's, it's a boy movie. I... I feel like at this stage it's too late for me to catch up. Mm. Like I'd have to get COVID or something to find that kind of time. <laughs> well, yeah, between all the bloody shows now, it's not just movies you have to worry about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Back in the day it was three movies and six movies. Now it's nine main movies, a couple others, couple several yeah. episodes of television to watch. Yeah, it's probably a bit hard it's, to get into. It's too late for me. Mm. Okay. Um do you have Jar Jar opinions, though? What do you think of this this character? What do you know about him? Um. Okay, well, I got home from work today and I said to my husband, what's the deal with Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> and he kind of just gave me a really weird look. 
one can of worms to thrust upon me. Yeah, yeah. And um, he said that uh, my main takeaway from from the conversation is that uh, he was a very annoying character. Mm-hmm. And then the man who is he like a a puppet or the man who played him? Mm. Copped a lot of um, like bullying. Yeah, if uh, you, you covered and, it basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. As did the the actor that's the, a child. Yeah. Played. Oh yeah, Jake Anakin. Yeah. yeah. What's going on? This is the kind of movie that's meant to be in Rolling Stones, seeing as everyone just like complains <laughs> all yeah. the time. Yeah, good point. It's actually quite common in the Star Wars fandom. They really love stuff, or they really hate it, and that sometimes oh, no. changes over time. What those things are. Um, He's kind of giving me like a bit of a a Dobby the Free Elf vibe. (laughs) Like he's really annoying, but he's meant to be kind of cute. Yeah, that's been the, that's the thing. It's like, was Jar Jar designed for the kids in the audience? Yes. Yeah. So kids can have have a lower threshold for annoyance, I think, and comic relief. It's funny when he like walks through poo and farts and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um. We'll get into it some more, but that, it that, that, sounds that... funny to me. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting as well. I, I picked this sort of on a whim because I, I know, like, film like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. I thought it'd be interesting to have your perspective, Jessa. But looking into a bit of um, Jar Jar, um, looking to Google him recently, so we up, see what he's up to, see what the actor's up to. It's sort of back mm-hmm. in the the pop culture zeitgeist, and it was actually recently a podcast sort of going into the whole. Um, Jar Jar story. We'll go into details later, but just it kind of felt like it's all um, it all worked out well in terms of of that for, for our little podcast here. Um, <laughs> we'll go through the magazine and we'll touch upon some elements. Um, I sent you guys some pictures of the important sections, but I'll, I'll run you through the rest of it um, as we flick through. Cool. Um, also on this cover, we've got the the Frog Prince of Star Wars, as I said. Um, there's the Offspring, who are the world's richest punks. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. There's been a, a Texas heroin massacre, one town, 18 dead. Um, yeah, pretty hardcore. Uh, mm. on, the, on the very top, we've got um, yeah, just sort of who else is going to be in the magazine? Eminem, Reef, Friends or Romp, and Chemical Brothers. I've huh. heard of two of those. I didn't know Reef was <laughs> a band in Chemical Brothers. I probably heard the name before. but You don't know Reef? I, Reef has not come across my my desk, unfortunately. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. They've got one song, mm-hmm. and it start. It's an endurance test, um, and it, it opens by the singer. He goes, "Oh, place your hands oh, okay. on my <laughs> You know that song? That's Reef, is it? Oh, there you go. That's Reef. That's their song. Their one song. Their one wow. year wonder. Yeah. Enough to go. get into Rolling Stone, though. So that's good. <laughs> I hate that song. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> okay. Um, as we open the magazine, we skip to um, some ads, which are pretty boring. We've got letters to the editor, right? And so one of these weren't much of much interest, but I sent you two of them. And oh, yeah. I was I was quite shocked by these. And again, when we talk about cultural figures who were essentially bullied en masse back in the day, but are now sort of getting um, apologies and uh, re reinterpretations. Britney Spears. Yeah. Right? This was... I love this letter. Yeah, do you want to read it out? I would love to read this. Please. Okay. 
I've been a regular reader and, courtesy of generous friends, a subscriber for over 10 years. Rolling Stone has turned me on to a lot of great music slash movies and, dare I say it, pop culture over the years. What? But what the hell is happening? Rolling Stone 561 has a feature on the latest soapy starlet. I'd love to know who that is. I Mm. can't work it out. Mm. Um, Who didn't have much to say and now Britney Bloody Spears. (laughs) If I wanted Fad Monthly, I'd get Girlfriend or Dolly or some other trash. Mm. Mm -hmm. how's that make you feel oh i resent that (laughs) would you reserve your pages for something of some relevance to music or culture not some here today gone tomorrow marketing sensation and while we're at it pretty bodies in designer labels i.e rolling stone style are really giving me the shits too If I wanted to read half a magazine, I'd buy Playboy, Ian Bruce, Bassadine, WA. So Britney Spears wasn't in in Ian's sort of, he wasn't the target audience for Britney, obviously. Britney bloody Spears. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking, Jester, that's probably the the very famous cover where she's in the sort of schoolgirl. Oh, with the Teletubby. Yeah, oh, really? Which one? I don't know. There's a picture of her and she's yeah. holding a Teletubby in like, she's wearing like satin boxer shorts, oh, maybe yes, yes. Talking, talking on the phone. Yeah, you know that's that one? the one. Yep, yep. I think yeah, so. uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it just seems to me like a classic, classic, you know, teen girl. What that teen girl's like is dismissed by other mainstream pop culture, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and you know, a bit of sexism in there, misogyny. The next letter I think also throws in some like, you know, Domestic violence culture, too. I'll, I'll read this one out. Jeez. Okay, shit. Go this, for is, it. this is from Kara. She says, I've never been a big fan of pop icon Britney Spears. And pop icon was in quotation marks there. But seeing your featured article on her made me realise why that is. She's, as you said, barely legal, yet she wears outfits usually dedicated to 18 plus porn stars. But then she goes and owns Victorian porcelain dolls. NSYNC VIP passes, and all the other things a normal teen popper would possess. And how many songs has she released? One? I'm sorry, but being considered new and sexy is appalling. She's just joined the line of hundreds of pop vocalists at a tender young age in tacky miniskirts and heels. Oh, and if I hear her asking to be hit one more time, I'll put that into action with a slap in the gob. Sure you will, Cara. Right? But, like, imagine okay, imagine writing that in the first place. Imagine sending it to a magazine and then printing it. Yeah. With no... I know. Right? How does that happen? I don't know. It wouldn't happen today, that's for sure. I feel like whoever it is who's in charge of deciding what gets published probably doesn't get that many letters and just needs to use whatever filler they can get. <laughs> I guess so. I'm, I... I, I I mean, I'm, I'm all for criticism. Like, we, we, this podcast is all about critiquing pop culture. But it seems <laughs> like that's gone too far, right? Yeah, you're not allowed to wear, um, like, skimpy clothes and also own, um, own Victorian porcelain dolls. Yeah, not allowed. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> and um, there's been a, a total re-evaluation of, of Britney Spears just this last week. In fact, they've been, um, they've been released. She released her, her um, tell-all memoir. Have you been across that, yeah. Jessa? Uh, Heidi's reading it okay. and she's telling me how great it is. I don't have to read it because she just tells me what happened. Yeah, little yeah. bits. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've been seeing it on um on TikTok, and um, 
Yeah, I'm really excited to read it soon. I've always loved Britney Spears. Yeah, and she's had a tough life, I think. She um, has, yeah. And I think you can you can draw a line from this sort of bullying being permitted in the culture, I think, and then to later things happen in her life that um are pretty terrible the whole, you know, um wasn't she under conservatorship or whatever? It's just Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really tough. Yeah. Um, and for the crime for being like a singer who was popular and pretty and sexy. Exactly. Like, you know? Exactly. Terrible. How dare she, right? Yeah. Um, the next ones I've highlighted here for you, the next letters are about Silverchair. Hmm. Now, Silverchair come from your neck of the woods, don't they, Jessa? Yes. Uh, fun fact, hmm. Silverchair signed their first ever recording deal at the pub across the road from my house. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Wow. I know. I know when I was telling you about, like, Newcastle um, sightseeing, I told you to go to the bogey hole, but maybe you should just go to the Jules Tavern. Okay. <laughs> That's part of culture. Yeah. Um, Dylan, you, you crossed Silver Chair though, a bit before our time, I think, weren't they? Nah, mate. Yeah, I'm, I don't think I've come across anything to do with Silver Chair. Okay, right. Are they good? Well, they were the world's nah. biggest band at some point, like in Australia's biggest band at the very least. But you're not a fan, Jessa? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I guess I've never really thought about it. I. I... <laughs> 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 I liked um, uh, Tomorrow. That was their mm-hmm. first song. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was kind of into like uh, like different music when they yeah, okay. when they brought out like Neon Ballroom. So I never really, and I don't know. I guess it was kind of like, um, if you, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you live in Newcastle, you either really like them or you really don't. And somehow I've ended up on the side of not liking them, even right. though I don't really have an opinion. You have to pick a side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, they've obviously done an article recently in Rolling Stone at this point in time um, going into Daniel Johns. He's a really interesting figure and he's um, just speaking out about some of his personal battles. And there's yeah. two, two letters. They, they've sort of one pro him and one anti him, if I could do it that, that um, broadly. Um First letter I'll read out says, thank, yeah. you, thank you for the Daniel John Silverchair article in the world's best magazine, Rolling Stone. It was somehow really powerful. I've always been into Daniel's lyrics, but now I understand Neon Ballroom so much better and can appreciate the meaning in it. I love Anna's song and I know how it is as a singer-songwriter when the lyrics you least intended to be for an audience turn out to be the best, the most real. Thanks, Daniel, for your honesty and energy. P.S. If you need a vegan caterer on tour or anything, let me know. I can feel the headlines. Uh, it's from Harmony Lake, who's vegan heart at hotmail.com. So I assume, I assume he's vegan. That's what I'm getting from that. <laughs> and he's revealed uh, that in the article. Is that right? I don't, I don't know. I assume so. I think, well, actually, I think he had a pretty severe eating disorder. So He did, yes. That, that Anna's song yeah. is about anorexia, isn't it? So I think so. Yeah. Um, but shoot your shot, I guess. Yeah, might as well. You might be reading Rolling Stone. Now, do you have the next letter there, Jessa? Do you want to read it out? Poor Daniel Johns. He's got so much to be depressed about. A multi-millionaire at 20, two albums with platinum success, a third set to skyrocket. He's the lead singer of one of the most popular bands in the history of Australian rock. Hundreds of homeless people and refugees die every day and Daniel Johns is taking antidepressants. 
Maybe it's true that money doesn't buy happiness from Jessica Stevens, Newcastle, New South Wales. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I feel like I, I feel like I outed myself as someone who doesn't like silver chair, but I don't. I, I don't really yeah. have an opinion about silver sure. chair. Sure. <laughs> that um, was from um, Priya Vaughan in Wombarra. A bit rough from, from Priya, I think. Yeah, that's really rude, Priya. Yeah, what do you think, Dylan? What do you think of that concept? Yeah, they threw in the um, threw in the classic hundreds of people die every day. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's always the it's go. It's kind so, of um, it? yeah. It's also kind of apples and oranges, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Daniel John. obviously that's yeah. sad, you know. Yeah, but he can still but be also, sad about other stuff. Yeah, mm. exactly. And um, I've I've seen Daniel John's out at the pub, and he actually really supports like local like. Newcastle bands and stuff. He seems like mm. a really cool guy. Mm. Yeah. It's funny that we're still we, not a fan. You still hate him. I, I, just, I just, I don't know him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go up and have a chin wag next time. I'm scared of him. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's funny we mentioned this because Silverchair has also been in the news fairly recently, just like Jar Jar and just like Brittany. Um, the two other members, um, Chris Joanno, I think, and Ben Gillies, they wrote a memoir about their time in the band, and they're also an Australian story um, recently. Oh, um, cool. It was about their time in the band, but also some drug and health issues afterwards. But there was a bit of controversy as well, because Daniel Johns has really fallen out with them, and they're not friends at all anymore. Oh, no. And he wasn't involved in the, in the Australian story. And there was this big um, to and fro, apparently, because... He wanted to get an advanced copy of the book before he would comment on anything. And then mm. they didn't want to do that. And he's sort of, because a lot of the songs I think he wrote were quite personal to him and his, his journey, like, you know, anorexia and whatnot. He was yeah. a bit uncomfortable about them talking about it. So it got quite messy, um, sadly. Oh. So just, I, I, I hope they can all get along eventually. But, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if this is... Um... 100% true, but I heard that Daniel Johns was working on like a, a biopic, mm. but it was mostly all about him and then it was also like mostly fictitious. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that um, if that also helped to drive the wedge. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I can, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's, that's um, Silverchair for you. I didn't know if we'd ever have Silverchair yeah. on, the, on the pod, but we did. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll scroll. I'll scroll. I'll flick through the magazine. Like, scroll on a magazine. Um, I didn't send this to you guys, but there's just like a few, it's called random notes, just some things that are happening, people, you know, seeing out and about. Kid Rock mm. is here. Elton John's done something. Not, not particularly interesting. <laughs> but I didn't, didn't bother sending it to you. But Elton the, John, he's always doing something. <laughs> I did send you this, though. It was um, Aussies at... Uh, South by Southwest. Um, yeah. So Powderfin gets to mention our boys up here, Brisbane boys. Um, what I wanted to mention to you though is Snout. So I didn't know Snout was a band, but um, listen to one of their no songs idea. today. They're pretty good from what I could hear. Cool. I just don't think that Ross McClelland has really um, taken advantage of the fact that he was at this festival and was in America. Okay. Um, they asked him about going. He said. I don't actually know if it was worthwhile. We bumped into a guy from Spin Art Records who'd driven down from New York to see us. But he planned to see us sign us a year ago, so who knows. Actually, I spent a lot of time in my hotel room. 
I only left for meals, although one night Wally from Evan, Eden, and I went out at dusk and watched all these bats fly out. That wasn't bad. <laughs> what, is... what a weird opportunity, you know? And again, I'm conscious of like, yeah. I don't want to like pile on Ross here and be bullies like we're going to be talking about people bullying Jar Jar Binks back to Armour Best, but strange to me that you go to this festival and just like eat in your hotel room. Yeah, I just, and then I went and watched a bunch of bats for a while. Yeah. I mean, you, you do then, you, I guess. But... Yeah. Priorities, right? Yeah. Strange. Ooh, Okay. Here's your time to shine, Jessa. Woodstock '99 um, is getting a good, um, good promo here. We're getting uh, it's happening in July, so this would have happened, you know, soon. In this, in terms of this magazine when it was released, uh, yeah. Metallica, Alanis, Corn, all the big names are coming. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, though, that festival was a bit of a disaster. Yeah, people died. Jesus. People died. Multiple yeah. um, sexual assaults happened at the, yeah. at the event. Uh-huh. Dylan, People you were bathing this? in sewage. Oh my god, Dylan, you crossed this at all? I had, I never heard of it. I was going to say this looks like a a bang in Woodstock. There's a lot of good bands and artists, but mm. that's no good at all. No. Unfortunately, the crowd was full of dickheads. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, and and it was poorly planned too, as you said. Like the sewage got out and. People didn't have water, like food and water for, for a while. It was really terrible. What else do you know about it, Jess? What can you tell us? I watched a documentary about this called Woodstock 99, Peace, Love and Rage. It's not the documentary that's getting around on the moment. I think there's one on like Netflix that's the same premise, but mm. not, the, not the one I watched. And then I remember I had to record an episode of My Girlfriend Dolly the following day and all I did was just like talk about this documentary for like two hours. I recall that, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> had quite an impact on me. But um, basically, <laughs> um, yeah, they they uh, these people um decided to organise this Woodstock festival because they wanted um, you know, millennials uh to kind of relive the the mm. peace and love of the original Woodstock. But um, the bands that they had playing. Uh, were kind of just like um, aggressive rappers and new metal bands and um, they pretty much incited, well, I mean, so they the there were so many problems. I don't even know like what would be like the start of it, but it was really, really hot and mm. gross. Water was like $7 a bottle. So the crowd was already <laughs> pissed off and then like Limp Biscuit comes out and pra- plays break stuff. So you can kind of like imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened from there. Um, yeah, it was wild. I yeah. wanted to read this here. It says, call it one-stop concert shopping. Music fans who want to cram their rock adventures into a single weekend uh, into a single weekend long binge now have Woodstock 99 to look forward to featuring Aerosmith, Metallica, DMX, Dave Matthews Band, Ice Cube, Jewel, Marilyn Manson, Rage Against the Machine, Corn, John Fogarty, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sheryl Crow, Fatboy Slim and Alanis Morissette. Now the three females that played are all mentioned in that. Mm. There was only three females that played. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 So it was, no, a re- it was a real um, sort of confluence, wasn't it? Like all these different elements 
just combine to have really um, terrible consequences. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It went from, I think it went to like three days maybe or something. And um, by the end of it, um, when it happened, it was around the time of like the Columbine shooting. Yeah. And these Gosh. these guys were there trying to organize like a nice kind of candlelit vigil. So they were handing out candles and the idea was that they were all going to light them during um, when Red Hot Chili Peppers played Under the Bridge. Mm. But instead people just started setting shit on fire. Jeez. Fucking hell. And that was like the end of the festival. Yeah. Hell. It's um, interesting because yeah. we've got Jar Jar here like sort of at, at the brink of <laughs> – the real hatred about to start it, right? Like, but it's just before. And this ad also yeah. reminds me of like, how exciting is it? This festival's coming up. Just get everyone. It's going to be there. And oh, then, yeah. As it this turns magazine's out. magazine's full of things that everyone's meant to get excited about, but they <laughs> are just angry. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll chuck in some names in the show notes of those documentaries to watch. I haven't watched them myself, but I've heard you talk about it and I've heard other podcasts talk about um, Well, then Woodstock. you don't need to watch them. No, mate, you, you've covered it pretty well, actually. <laughs> Um, <laughs> one yeah. of the other things that i just remembered hmm. um is that they didn't all the security guards they just kind of got them to watch like a videotape and then gave them a t-shirt and was just Jesus. like okay on your way <laughs> yeah and then like towards the end they were like all right security guards turn your t-shirts inside out just get in with the crowd <laughs> i know right wild yeah, that's terrible um I know, like, I think the the first Woodstock is probably overblown a little bit in people's minds, but it was, like, peace and love and, you know, here's the 60s, everyone um, have a good time. And in this one, it's just like, yeah, everybody burns yeah. shit. Like, it doesn't seem right. Yeah, really. here's, yeah. like, Kid Rock. My yeah. God. Um, okay, so moving on, we've got – I sent you guys this ad – it's for a mobile phone. It's for the Philips Savvy. Um, isn't particularly interesting, apart from the fact that they've highlighted three things that this phone can do, which is like really exciting in 1999. It's got a biorhythm <laughs> calendar. Cool. It's got a calculator and stopwatch. And That's wild. You've got fun icons to send to other savvy friends. So I'm guessing it's <laughs> like early emoticon sort of things, but you can only send them to other savvy phones. Yeah. Yeah. How good. Imagine, imagine if you could only send emojis to people who had the exact same phone as you. <laughs> yeah, that would cool be phone. wild. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this is going to be hard for the listeners, but it's, I think the phone probably is about the size that it appears in the picture. Like it's probably the width of like a <laughs> <Probably>. thigh. Probably. <laughs> it looks like a huge phone. Like that thing looks yeah. like it, you, yeah, it wouldn't. You could kill someone with it. Brick, yeah. Yeah. Brick phone. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move on. There's an interview with Henry Rollins. Don't know who that man is, but good luck to him. What? <laughs> you don't know who Henry Rollins is? I'm afraid not. Oh, wow. Can you explain who he is to us? I, I have to go. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was like, um, the lead singer of Black Flag. Maybe? Doesn't help me, sorry. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> um, I do know these people. It's Ben Lee and Kylie. They've combined for a song, apparently. So that's cool. Kylie, Kylie Minogue. Yeah. 
She has a song with Ben Lee? Well, there's a picture at least. Oh. Yeah, I did. They did a version of Duran Duran's The Reflex. No way. The that Duran Duran really tribute cool. album. Yeah, there you go. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. There's also, on this tribute album, a Girls on Film version by Living Ant. That say, sounds sick. Say a Prayer by Pollyanna. And Hungry Like the Wolf by Custard. Ooh. Oh my god, I don't know anything about this. Cover. I love Duran Duran. Oh, I'm going to okay. have to look into this. There you go. There's also a little article about the Verve splitting up. Um, I know them. They I didn't know, know that happened. They <laughs> <laughs> did a few songs, right? Yeah, that oh. song from Cruel Intentions. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> mm. Okay, moving on. Some other people. Okay, Reef. Now, even funnier, Jessica, that you've now told me who... Reef are what song they they sang? Yeah, because yeah. The, the the bit I sent you of this was pretty much the only notable um part of their question and answer interview. This guy sounds like such a dickhead. <laughs> the pull quote I'll read it to you is: mm. I can go backstage and ask a girl for a blowjob if I wanted to. Five nights out of ten, that's true. Gross. Right. It's gross. I just try. I just tried to Google Reef so I could see what the lead singer looks like, but it just a bunch of shoes came up. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of shoes and then like Wikipedia, like a Coral Reef article. <laughs> um, well, that doesn't help us much. But the, the context apparently to this is um, Australian feminist Jermaine Greer she I mentioned them in one of her recent books at this stage. Um, and it was about that quote, apparently, about, about creepies and how he can just ask for yeah. sex whenever he wants. And he's trying to frame it as, like, not so much a brag. It's just, like, part of culture. Like, sadly. It's a fact. Yeah. You know, give, you know that's yeah. just how life is for me. Whether we like the fact or not, it's the reality, he says. There are <laughs> girls out there who are into that. But it's not my bag to go and do it. Just because I said I could get shagged doesn't mean that is what I do. I uh -huh. mean, kind of feels like he's trying to have it both ways there, right? <laughs> I mean, he's saying words to the effect of I can go backstage and get my dick sucked off, but like the girls want to do it, not me. Yeah, and, and it's actually more, it's more about society, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, sure. And then <laughs> goes on to say... Um, I'd much rather get to know someone backstage than get into their pants. Yeah. He's a gentleman. What a nice guy. Let me just hang on. Um, I'm just going to actually Google what he's saying in that song. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. It's, oh, place your hands on my hope. I thought it was place your hands on my hole. Oh, <laughs> and then because then because then it's like run your fingers through my soul. So for it to rhyme, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. That song's not as like sexy as I thought it was. But that's the song. Yeah, that's 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 those guys. Yeah, yeah. that's them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on oh, from from Gary Stringer. Again, yeah. try not to bully, but that's a weird thing to say, Gary. It's a weird thing to say, and it's fine. I don't think he's going to hear us. Okay, probably not. Probably not. 
Um, the next person I do know, it's Billy Bragg, great singer-songwriter. Um, unfortunately, Billy is talking about his record collection and all these really important songs to him, and they're really obscure because he's obviously an aficionado, so good luck to him, but I don't know these people. But love Billy Bragg. <laughs> good on him. Um, there's also an article about the Go-Betweens, who are a famous Brisbane band who were very much before our time, Dylan. They were like early 80s, 90s, and they are still sort of kicking around at this point. Um, okay. Have you heard of them at all, Dylan? Go Queens? No, no, mate. Um, never in my life. Never in your life. What about you, Jess? Did Go Betweens come across your desk at all? I'm still trying to think like where you would know Henry Rollins from. <laughs> I know the name, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, he's in like a, um, I'm pretty sure he's in like one of the Wrong Turn movies. <laughs> That doesn't help I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna find a connection for you by the end of the episode. Okay. I promise. Okay. No idea good. who the go-betweens are, though. No, well, they, they, they're very popular in certain circles, and I guess in Brisbane we know them a little bit because of they're a good band and they've got some songs that speak to the Queensland Brisbane experience. Can you like hum a few bars of their biggest hit? Um, biggest hit is probably "Streets of Your Town." Oh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, them. okay, yeah. I know them. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've actually got a bridge named here, the Go-Between Bridge, named after them, which is pretty cool for a band. That's cute. Yeah. Um, Do you have a bridge named after the butterfly effect? I don't think so. You should. But we can work on that for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sadly, some of them have passed away since this, so it's, um, there'll be no more Go-Between stuff, but good stuff, good stuff. Hmm. Um, there's an article here about... Friends Will Romp, and they're they're a bit of a punk band, aren't they, Jessel? You, you into them? Uh, I love Friends Will Romp, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my husband's band supports them whenever they play in Newcastle. Oh, how good. How good. Yeah, they're cool guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, some people, like, I think my, my brother-in-law really likes them as well. They're right in his sort of era. Um, yeah. They're quite funny, from what I know, too. They don't take themselves too yeah. seriously. Yeah, they are funny. Yeah. In this um, in this photo shoot they've done, they've they've for some reason they've got like a camel and they're taking pictures with it, take the head off and stuff. So yeah, classic stuff. Oh, so they had an album that was called um, "A Man Is." I don't know if it is a man is a camel or a man is not a camel, one or the right. other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm go. sorry. I'm I'm not very um. I don't really care what the album's called. I don't know enough <laughs> to memorise it. But, like, I know I like the songs on it. Okay. Don't good. ask me what any of them are called, though. <laughs> it's okay. Now, Dylan, it's your time to shine. We've got the Castlevania um, ad here. Can you talk us through this? Well, Lonnie, I'll tell you this. Apparently, it's a big upcoming game at the time of this magazine. Mm. And we got people saying from Nintendojo.com. Mm-hmm. But it's an equal match in graphics and in gameplay to the much-anticipated Zelda 64 from Nintendo. Really? Uh, this is one of, if not the worst, Castlevania game in the series. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> Zelda is one of the best games of all time. So that is a very wrong quote. Dirty lie, hey? Bit of bit of PR fluff. Yeah, the boys at Nintendo, Joe, and girls, they're misquoting. I don't know what they're doing. So what's the point of Castlevania? I... Vampires, that's the, that's the thing? Pretty much, yeah. It's um, this family called the Belmonts. 
just keep fighting Dracula. And it's like each generation of Belmont has to fight Dracula when he comes back from the dead. Okay. So it's like kind of a loosely connected story through familial mm. generations. Okay. Cool. Sorry, I cut you off, Jess. What were you going to say? I was going to say that this little tagline here, killer outfit, too bad the nightlife sucks, sums up my time living in Tamworth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's terrible. I know. <laughs> well, hopefully it's better now for you. Yeah. Better, better in this game. Now, now when I go out, I get to see Daniel Johns. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, okay, I skipped over this again because it just wasn't something that came across my desk ever. But there's an interview here with Rick Schroeder. He was the world's perkiest child star and he's broken into the toughest precinct on TV. He's just joined NYPD Blue. What was he a child star from? He was a child star in various movies. He was in Little Lord Fauntleroy, The Champ, uh, Lonesome Dove, apparently. Silver spoons. All these things aren't coming across as hard. But good on him. He's a bit of a pre-boy, but he's looking good. Um, and then there's an interview or interview with Rachel Vice and article about the mummy. Now, sorry guys, I haven't seen the mummy. That's pretty bad of me, but I haven't. Good movie from all accounts. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh. Okay, good. Dylan, have you seen it? Oh, ages ago. It was good from what I remember. I had Brendan Fraser and it, so it's can't be bad. It's not allowed to be. <laughs> and Rachel Vice is pretty mm. awesome too. Um, so that's a good classic sort of goes into the history of the mummy on screen and interview with her because she's like the, the sexy lead. Um, I wanted to highlight this. And I highlighted this to you when I, when I sent this through. Um, they ask her about... Um, what it's like to act with special effects. And she just like, um, yeah, it's easy. You just imagine them, don't you? The director says there's some locusts there and I just had to create the correct emotion. And it <laughs> seems like she's totally dismissive of the person who's like, wants to go on the craft of acting. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I pretend. Like, calm down. We're, we're not all actors, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's also weird to think this was a time when Brendan Fraser was on top of the world and Rachel Weisz was just starting out, and their careers are a bit, diff bit different since then, aren't they? Yeah. Um. Okay. Eminem I, had an I, article. Sorry. No, I just I'm sorry. I just can't believe I actually haven't seen that movie. We Wild. should we should promise to each other that we're going to watch it. Oh yeah. Okay. Once you've watched every Christina Ricci movie, we'll yeah. move on to like the Mummy. <laughs> Well, he's in that one, actually. Brendan Fraser. He made an appearance in the Christina Chronicles. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, yeah, he's in yeah, Now and Then, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure he's good. Amazing. He's good. Um, okay, I skipped over Eminem to get to Jar Jar Binks of Star Wars The <laughs> Phantom Menace, A Star is Born. That's, that's so interesting to me that they say that because it clearly wasn't the case. A star wasn't born here. But it kind of has dude. become true to a certain degree. We'll get into that. Um, so, yeah, as I, other than saying to you guys, it really captures this just moment in time when Jar Jar was a thing, there's a bit of a storm starting, but he's not quite the butt of all the jokes that he became very quickly. Um, 
So for the um, sorry, no, sorry to cut you off. I just want to say for the for those listening at home, there are ten pages dedicated <laughs> to Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, it's a massive article, right? It's huge, and one of them is like a centerfold. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I've got my, my magazine on on its edge. Yeah, poor fellow. And unfortunately, he's cut off. His face is halfway on the page, so it looks a bit weird to me. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's about the man behind the the CGI um, creation, Ahmed Best. And I feel so bad for this fella because he he had a career. He was on Stomp. He went, was sort of trucking along pretty well in his artistic career. He lands Star Wars. And it's supposed to be a big break, right? Being in the biggest, most anticipated movie of the year, of the decade, probably, if not ever, really, at this point, 1999, for the new Star Wars film. It doesn't work out for him. And to the point where it really um, affects his life, he, he can't get work for many years. He um, even contemplates suicide at one point, the poor fella. Um, and it's all because of, like, there are some genuine criticism of him, like a good faith criticism, I would say, um, but also a lot of it was just pile on bullying, internet hatred, you know, and, and Star Wars, I think has got some pretty rabid fan base and some of them pretty fickle and pretty toxic. And so this article to me, it's, it's kind of tragic in some ways because everyone's excited. He's excited. Um, he's talking about a new movie. We're on the brink of technology because he's the first, one of the first CGI characters yet. You know, it's kind of like the car crash is about to happen, but you can't tell them. You somehow you, you can't pull them back enough. You know. Mhm. Now, now, Dylan, do you want to give us a bit of a uh, rundown on the criticisms of, of Jar Jar, like some of them at least? Oh man, where do you start? I mean, the general consensus is that he is annoying. Yep. Um, just the way he speaks and the voice. Like he kind of has like the the voice of a baby, kind of. Mm. He's like, you know, how would oh Misa gonna help you? You know, that's that's awful. <laughs> so I hate good. It so much. No, it's it's not. Good. You do a really good impression. <laughs> and uh, and just the fact he's also like um, very clumsy as mm. well, and he just kind of fucks up everything he's involved in. And I guess there's no consequences, which I guess most people want to see. He's actually rewarded for his clumsiness. He stops the bloody war on Naboo from his clumsiness, basically. Yeah, so it's it's one thing to say he's just like annoying um, as a character, but I think also, also like... the design is gross as well. Yeah, right? Like the, the popped out eyes that go above the head and... The giant snout and giant tongue. Yeah, he's ugly. That he uses liberally. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an impressive creation, CGI, and he was on set and they did early motion capture. Like it's cutting edge stuff for the for the time. But yeah, for a, for a character, that's a little bit off putting, unfortunately. Yeah, and there's a lot of slapstick. Yeah, a lot of slapstick too, which. Late nineties, so you know, it probably just wasn't the time for that type of comedy, to be honest. Mm. I think, I think there is some some genuine criticism there. Like it was, like too much. Like he walks through poo and he does a fart and whatever. Like that's not particularly funny. But like on the other hand, kids' movies, um, 
comic relief isn't too bad in these sort of serious movies, but the fans coming to it, a lot of them were older. They like they watched Star Wars when they were kids, and they sort of thought they were quite important movies. So watching this, it ruined, in their view, it ruined the seriousness of what they were coming into. This important movie they waited so long for, and then there's this clumsy fool who's annoying. Um, the other end of it, I think we should talk about as well, and the podcast I'm going to mention goes into it quite quite um, deeply, is like the negative racial stereotypes that Jar Jar um, perpetuated. So as you mentioned, the voice he does, it's sort of like a Jamaican accent too, the broken English. The character himself is subservient to white characters and plays into a sort of noble savage um, stereotype. I don't think any of that was intentional and um, I don't think they were setting out to be racist, right? And I don't think that generally happens. But whether or not that was intentional, I think the impact and the concerns are, are valid. So Ahmed Best, who's this guy who's got his big break, he's sort of copying it from all angles. He's got bullying from people who saying he's ruined their childhood. Um, early internet days, they had hate websites. I hate Jar Jar, for example. They've got pictures of Jar Jar, you know, getting decapitated and killed in various ways, which is, like, I think, some of that you could dismiss as just like you know, people being stupid online, um, even if it was early internet. But then there's genuine criticisms from like the black community, and I think that that's what he says in the podcast is that that hurt the most because he was trying to create a fun character for kids, yet he's getting this this genuine criticism from from other black um, people, and you know, and film scholars and whatnot speaking about how it plays into racism in Hollywood. Um, intention doesn't override impact, and I think those critiques are valid to have, but right. There's still a man at the middle of this, and I think that's the biggest thing is that people forgot behind Jar Jar there was a person, and that that's really sad to think that for so long people didn't realize that. Um, and at the time as well, the Star Wars films, the prequels, were pretty much hated upon. That's changed now, but back then they were not liked at all. So the um, he was a, the Jar Jar was like symptomatic of that. He was a lightning rod for the hate. Dylan, you're one of these people these days who, who's a prequel defender, aren't you? Oh, you are too, mate. Come on. Mm. You like the prequels, don't you? Look, because we grew up with them, like, they got a soft <laughs> spot in my heart. And so I think that's what's happened a lot of the time now, is that people who liked or didn't mind Jar Jar as a kid have grown into adults who like, love, don't mind him now as an adult because we didn't have the same interpretation as, as, at the time. Is that is that what you yeah. think is correct? Yeah, I think so. I, I also depends if you like bad movies too, like you take <laughs> oh, enjoyment on them, which I do. So yeah. that's, that's why those first two are good. The third one's actually pretty good movie in general, mm. Revenge of the Sith. But those first two, oh, they're awful. Some of the worst dialogue ever written in any film, I think. Especially number two. That is bad. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yet, at the same time, it's got great visuals and, like, the, the scope and the scale is pretty amazing. Like, they're not all bad. It's, it's really oh, tough no. to, 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 to capture all the intricacies and might be difficult for, for Jessa to, to really understand all this, but what's your interpretation of the Jar Jar story? Uh, um, I know uh, what my husband told me a couple of hours ago and um that weird al yankovic song 
That was a good like one. Like they, they said, they said something about Naboo before. Yeah. I, I remember that. We gotta yeah, drive back to Naboo. Between all the dollar one or two. Yeah, that's all I know, man. There I got go. no idea. I'm well, reading this um online fans analyze the amphibian thing. This is so mean. Yeah, read out some of them for me, please. Oh my god, here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This has to be the worst character creation in the history of film. (laughs) Two seconds after he showed up, I was praying he would die or dry out or get eaten. It was the um, illegibility of his speech that killed any joy this character could have induced in the audience. If Jar Jar was not reported dead in the opening crawl of episode two, I am leaving. P.S. Nothing against the dude that played Jar Jar. He is talented but was wrongly cast. Hey, just like Jake Lloyd. Okay, that PS is some redeeming mm. quality to that. But otherwise, be rough still. Uh, Jake Lloyd is the child, yeah? Yes, he was And Anakin. everyone's like, yeah. yeah. Oh, what a, what a horrible actor this little boy is. Yeah. That, oh, I mean, I read that, that like he's talented but wrongly cast as well as Ahmed Best. Jake, we don't yeah. Think that's the case. Yeah, just in general, like, he got a lot of hatred too, which is un- oh, pretty yeah. rough for yeah. a young fellow. Yeah, very it right. is right. I from what um, I've been told, he completely quit acting because everyone mm. hated his yeah, um, acting in this movie. Poor guy. Yeah, and he's like a, I think like a, a drug addict or a criminal now. He's something. had some oh, tough no. times. Yeah. 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 Oh, very good. Mm. Um, so the podcast I mentioned a few times is called The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks. It's in our show notes. It's really good. It's only six episodes, dives into all this stuff, and I don't want to just repeat what happens there because um, you guys can go listen to it, and it's probably better to hear it from the people themselves rather than just my interpretations of it. Um, it does have a happy ending, though, because the sort of Star Wars community, as I said, has, has turned a corner. Um, he's had a second wind in his career. He um, came back to Star Wars to, in a kid's game show. He was hosting that, and he's at, in that game show he was playing a Jedi, and they've actually made that Jedi part of the main Star Wars series. Have you seen that episode where he comes back, Dylan? Uh, what show was it? He's in The Mandalorian. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, was it season three? Season three, apparently. Okay, I haven't watched season three. Okay. I heard it was really bad, which is a shame, but that's the season he <laughs> Well, <appeared>. if you <laughs> don't mind, I'll tell you what same. happens to him in that. Oh, yeah, far away. And I'm sure you don't mind too, Jessa. Um... He comes back as a Jedi, which is, a, you know, the good guys. 
he plays a knight in shining armor, he actually is the one who saves Baby Yoda, who's like the new favorite character of Star Wars universe. So it feels to me like a big apology to the man. Um, yeah, it's not just a throwaway role. It's a quite important one in the history of the canon. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Um, in the podcast, one thing Can I want to mention. Oh, sorry, go on. No, you go first. One thing I mentioned about the podcast is they interview one of the guys who ran a Jar Jar hate website. And it's interesting because I don't know what to expect about someone who would do such a thing, right? It seems like someone would be pretty awful to create a hatred website. But he comes, he seems pretty normal. He's just like, yeah, I was riding the popularity wave. I realized people didn't like Jar Jar Binks and I was trying to go viral on the internet. So I just um, sort of jumped on it. I didn't like him, but I didn't want to kill him. But he just went along with those jokes. And to him, he was just like having a bit of fun with the website and the fictional character. Um, but he's like, yeah, I wasn't thinking that there was someone behind it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's part of it too. Like some people might say they hate this guy and they want him to die like that one you just read out, Jessa. But like they're just having a bit of fun with the fictional character. Are they? Do they have to worry about that other stuff? Or can they, like we do on this podcast, just like shoot the shit and just sort of talk about stuff? And I mean, obviously you can't excuse it when it, when it leads to the real impacts on the guy. Like, you know, he's obviously been really depressed and had a tough life. Yeah. But I I feel like there is part of it. It's just like people being stupid on the internet, not, not thinking yeah. through. Like it's it's so tough I... to, where, where the responsibility lands, you know? I thought it was like a puppet. And um, if that was the case, if there was no actor inside there, it was just a puppet. I mean, go for it. Make fun of him all you want. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, he, well, he's betraying him, though. He's, like, doing, giving the voice and giving the performance. and. Yeah, yeah. well, I didn't even, I didn't even really know whether it, it spoke or not until now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And I guess, um, I guess another thing is as well is that Ahmed Best as an actor hasn't built up any, like, goodwill amongst the general populace. Mm. Like, apparently mm. it was rumoured that Michael Jackson wanted to play Jar Jar as well. Mm. Yeah. So I think if Michael Jackson played Jar Jar, there'd be less hate. Like, it might have been shit. But oh, absolutely. Be like, it's Michael Jackson. They'd be like, it's like Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I think Star Wars has unfortunately done that a few times since, but they've, they've <laughs> given a, a new non-white actor um, a, a role. And then when they've got hatred, they've sort of just, like, let them be attacked and fed them to the wolves. Like, think of The Last Jedi and um, Killing Marie Tran. She yeah. got a lot of hatred. And then the next movie, they cut her role down dramatically. <laughs> just what they did here with, yeah, with like Jar Jar. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it doesn't seem right, does it? But um, the article itself that we've got here, the, the massive <laughs> 10 pages worth, it's pretty good. It's... um. You know, it goes through his life and um, it's pretty positive overall. But there is some inkling, as we mentioned, that things maybe aren't going too well in the future for Jar Jar. There's a weird part where he's just like talking about some Polaroids he has from set. And it's just like, yeah, here's a picture of me and Natalie. Well, here's Jake Lloyd. Here's Liam. Like, cool. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think in that... That what you mentioned, Jessa, there's that those um reactions. Some of them we hate mm. him, some the kids love him, the movie's supposed to be fun. It's um really interesting for for a Star Wars movie to have all this sort of cultural stuff. It's 
you know, people don't care so much about Star Wars TV shows, but back then this was like massive pop culture, obviously. Oh, yeah. Can I tell you guys a funny story? Of course. Yeah. So I've, um, I've changed jobs like three times this year. I got what I thought was my dream job and then I ended up hating it. So I briefly was working at a JJ's clothing mm-hmm. store mm-hmm. and um, they sell a lot of like pop culture t-shirts there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, because I'm like 36 years old, I was kind of a bit of a fraud where I would pretend like I knew who these people were on the shirts, <laughs> but I had no idea. And um, I remember one day I had to do markdowns and you get this little list with like the most kind of vague, it's like maybe they give you maybe eight letters. And one of them said like Grogu S-H-R-T. So it was like a Grogu shirt. And I remember being like messaging my husband and being like, is Grogu baby Yoda? (laughs) And I was correct. That's a bit rough that they put that for there. They should have just said baby Yoda. Yeah. Right. Well, apparently um, my boss was like, don't call him baby Yoda. Some of the customers get upset. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But also, do you guys watch Dragon Ball Z? Oh, yeah. Having the bath. Are you yeah. you're familiar? Okay, so like these little boys came in one day <laughs> and they wanted to see all the Dragon Ball Z stuff. And one of them said to me, who's your favourite? And I have no idea. So I was like, oh, Freezer. <laughs> and then they were like, he's a racist. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, he is, yes, but. That's still a good pick for know. a character. I just chose a, a one that oh. I knew the name of. How'd you react to stick, that? Stick with Vegeta. Just keep Vegeta in your back pocket. Oh Everyone my God, will disagree been, with you instantly. I've been calling him Vegeta. <laughs> oh no. Well, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just was kind of like, oh, okay, let me check you out. Oh, yeah, no. se- 70 bucks. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I don't work there anymore, but it was um interesting. It's pretty funny they called you out straight away like that. Yeah, those kids were just like, no, he's he's a racist. Yeah, he calls the same only monkeys. racist against. Yeah, it's only racist against you know humans and Saiyans from what we've seen. <laughs> the the kids are very PC these days. Yeah, they sure are. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Good on them. Um. Okay, at the end of this Star Wars bit here, and there's more Star Wars later, but at the end of this particular Star Wars section, there's a section called Talk is Cheap, the People versus the Critics. It's a pretty common fight, you see, still gets played out today um, between, you know, the fans and the critics. And the fans think the critics are old and stuffy and are you know, too obsessed with um, cinema and, like, you know, all the technical elements of the film and don't get the fun and the spectacle of these movies and vice versa. The critics are like, oh, it's a pretty bad movie, but there's you know, special effects, so the fans will probably like it. That sort of that sort of fight, right? Um, in here, they, they sort of got some critics, um, some fans' comments, and also some of some peers of of George Lucas. We'll get to that one in particular. So uh, Philip McCarthy from The Age says he's a, a critic, obviously. Star Wars films always seemed more profound than they actually were because George Lucas loaded them up with myth and legend and livened them with lots of exploding Death Stars and lightsaber fights. That's all there in The Phantom Menace, but the story is a retread of the original Taken Back a Generation. Could be worse, I guess. Um, Robert Hughes from The Australian says, 
The Phantom Menace is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Loud, vulgar, manipulative, careless, and pretentious. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, here's what Ernest Cope says. He's a fan. Contrary to what most critics said, there was a definite plot and story. Don't know what film they're watching. And a lot of questions <laughs> were answered from the first trilogy. I plan to see the film again and again. I love you, <laughs> I love your defense of the film. Well, actually, there was a story. So, you know what? You guys are shit. I don't know what I don't know what you've been watching, but there was a story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and again, the fans. I guess it's it's that thing. Like, do you want a good movie that critics like, or do you want something that the fans get enjoyment out of? Um, Dylan, what did Francis Full Coppola think? My boy Francis. Yes. Well, here's what he said. He said, George worked very hard on it. I know he's gotten some bad reviews, but he didn't slough, or, slough it off or anything. He did as well as he knew how to. I know for a fact. He did his best. Francis, that's the and most backhanded compliment I've ever had. I thought so too. <laughs> He did as well as he knew how to. I know it's, people are saying it's shit, but he did his best, all right? So back off. Yeah. Wow. He couldn't do better. <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> poor old George Lucas. He gets a lot of flack. Um, okay. That's Star Wars done for a little bit. I thought we could move on to... Well, we got The Offspring... I wasn't interested in, sorry. So sorry if you if you came to this podcast looking for the offspring, I'm not going to give it to you. Um, <laughs> Texas Heroin Massacre. Really quite sad, this story. It's about a little town in, in um, Texas and all these kids who got hooked on heroin. Um, oh, fucking hell. I don't want to sort of dwell too much on it, but um, yeah, bad stuff. Hmm. Good news week. Yes, sir. This was yeah. around when we yeah. were younger. I loved. You loved it. I loved this show. Right. Yeah, I thought Tell it was more. really good. I had a, I had a bit of a crush on um, the host Paul. What's his face? Paul McDermott. Paul McDermott. Yeah, I thought he was cute. Yeah. I liked when he used to sing. He's a good, got a good voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh huh. Now, yeah. in my mind, this was very much a '90s show, and then it came back a little bit in the 2000s. I looked it up. Yeah. It was around from 96 to 2000, and then it was revived from 2008 to 2012. So, like, you know, two oh. solid runs both times. I guess I didn't watch it either time, so you just blink and miss it if you're not watching it. Um, do, you want, do you want to explain what this was? I don't think Dylan's been across it before. Have you, Dylan? Nah, never. All right, take us through it, Jessa. Look, I don't really remember what happens. I think they... Um... <laughs> I watched it when I was like a child. Right, it's like a comedy um, show. They like news of the week sort of stuff. And they it's, make fun of it. It's and... like it's like Spicks and Specs, but without instead of music, it's like the news. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. it's cool. Sometimes things they'd have to do is like um, they'd have to like mime out a, a news headline. Um, <laughs> That's fun. Stuff like that. It was funny. Yeah, it was mm. a funny show. It was cool. So when this um, magazine came out. They had just moved from the ABC to Channel 10, so a bit of tension there. And also, it was quite popular, so they were doing a second show per week. And obviously, the main show was about the news events of the day. 
but the second one was more about music and pop culture apparently which is what this article goes into just behind the scenes like the reporter is embedded in a episode like behind the scenes and explains what happens and it's all about like Mikey Robbins has to get a shirt and they're doing interviews and stuff it's not the most interesting thing but you know cool behind the scenes <laughs> capturing of this event and Paul McDermott seems quite clever um all the time but especially here he's giving lots of witty remarks to the interviewers yeah um, okay now if you what guys dream, <laughs> absolutely have you seen with the beard oh yes yeah, yeah. he looks even hotter now he's like right. a silver fox yeah grandpa paul yeah oh love it sexy grandpa mm. um now if you guys i don't know if you're scrolling down the, on the pdf i sent you but we're now with the not quite country rs style can you see yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought this was um like a further a Good Newsweek article. I was like, oh. I don't remember these guys. Oh, right. The Sorry. Show. No, these, yeah. are, these are three <laughs> rising stars take a different take on Twang. Mm. <laughs> so we've got mm -hmm. Adam Brand. Um, it's the bloke. We've got Lisa Gentz. And I think it was the yeah. Schneider. Now, Melinda. Oh, is it Melinda? Melinda, sorry. Melinda. Um, weird pictures, right? Uh, I like the one where, like, there's a man walking up the stairs and Melinda Schneider's just giving him this, like, side eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird just to me. I mean, it's obviously not much fun for you guys listening to the podcast, but it's just, like, regular clothes you'd see at a Kmart. They're bland. The photos themselves are overexposed. They're this low angle, wide lens. Yeah. Um, I'll put some pictures of this on our Instagram feed if you want to have a look, but it's just weird, like off-putting to it's, me somehow. It's really odd, yeah, especially there's one picture of someone and they're just kind of wearing like, they look like maybe they're about to, like if this person walked into my shop, I would think they were going to rob me. Like he's wearing sunglasses <laughs> and a beanie, a giant like windbreaker, like parachute pants. It's very odd outfit and then melinda schneider's here in like khaki shorts and a giant white blouse so weird it's weird i don't get it no let's move on <laughs> now we've got to thinking? got to the review part of it um so all these different new albums coming out people reviews you know star reviews and whatnot um again sorry i didn't know most of the bands so I'm, i've skipped a lot of this I did, though, notice that there was a review of the soundtrack of a little movie called 200 Cigarettes. Dylan, why is this important to us? Uh, it's one of Christina's many, many films she's been in, mm -hmm. and one of the ones we've been lucky enough to review so far on the show. Have, and you, one seen, of our faves, have you seen this one, Jessa? I love this. I watch it, um, you know, around like New Year's Eve. It's a New Year's Eve movie. Yeah, so good, isn't it? Yeah. I love it so much, and I love her, like, coat that she wears in the movie. <laughs> um, a bit rough that the soundtrack gets three stars. I thought it was a pretty good soundtrack, personally. <laughs> this is, like, the weirdest review, though. They just mm. kind of, like, name drop the tracks and make it into, like, a sentence. Yeah, it's a bit abstract in that sense. It's strange, isn't yeah. it? Should I read it? Yeah, please. Okay, this is the review for the 200 cigarettes um, soundtrack. 
A love-struck Romeo sings the streets a serenade. Oh, dear, someone just served up a dish of turds at the nostalgia <laughs> at the nostalgia party. And it was going so well. Nick Lowe's cruel to be kind. The Ramones, I don't care. We even played the cars just what I needed twice just for that synth break. While we're at it, who invited Roxy Music? Three stars. What do you mean? That's... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> strange it gives me nothing to work yeah. with really except i'm assuming that's um like four of the what roxy music song is that i guess i'll just have to buy it to find <laughs> out <laughs> what the first quote is from Fly straight so yeah i didn't even get mentioned yeah Weird. that that song is on the soundtrack though yeah I just yeah, it yeah. Up. yeah okay very weird um yeah. okay star wars time again <laughs> it's, it's the actual review by peter travers the um famous Rolling Stones reviewer. He's actually not that upset by the movie. He's, you know, not terrible in his view. He's a bit dismissive of the plot and the characters, but he's impressed by the visuals, and he's generally happy that George Lucas is pushing the boundary still. Um, he does mention one funny part. He says that Lucas's direction for actors still belongs to the don't, don't emote, just stand there school of direction. It's a bit harsh, but maybe a bit true, Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he also calls Jar Jar a scene stealer and says he is voiced hilariously and he mentions he's a fully digital creature. So that's good, I guess. Now, is that true feelings or is that because they dedicated a bloody 10-page article to Jar Jar Binks? Yeah, I wonder. It's a bit hard maybe to give him the front cover and then tear him some, some <laughs> shreds off him. him in the <laughs> review. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know, Dylan, what do you think of people like mainstream reviewers reviewing these pop culture movies? I'm not sure they ever can really do it justice without... No, I've, I've stopped listening to reviews a long time ago. Yeah. You're, you'd be a much happier person if you just form your own opinions on things, sure. to be honest. I think they, they maybe get a bit too much... Um, too much emphasis put on getting good reviews when I mean, it's part of it, it's part of the whole ecosystem, but... I think you're right. I think there is something about like yeah, nerdy fans. They they both want to protect their their pop culture property, but also they want sort of mainstream recognition. And you can't always get both of those things, you know. No, definitely not. Anyway, apart after the review, there are some um, they're more like previews of other movies coming up. I guess it's blockbuster season, um, summer season. Austin Powers gets a go. Dylan, your boy. Hello. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Are you into Austin Powers, Chester? Ah, uh, I've I've watched it a few times, I guess. <laughs> it's it's kind of um Ah, it's a bit annoying, isn't it? I really like Mike Myers though. I like his um he's got a movie called So I Married an Axe Murderer. Have you ever seen that? No, but well, we've we spoken about to. watching it for the podcast actually. Oh, can I be on that episode? Of course. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good movie, I love it. All right. Yeah, we, we mentioned him. We did a whole episode about Austin Powers once. And it's like surprisingly that he hasn't been in many movies, really. Like for someone who's been around for no. so long, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did He did that. He did Wayne's World. And then he did Austin yeah. Powers. Shrek keeps him going, I guess. Oh, Shrek. Yeah, yeah I always forget who's Shrek. Brings in the <laughs> Cat in the Hat as well. Come on now. Oh, yeah, Cat in the Hat. Yeah. No, that is true. Um, yeah, other things that get mentioned are Wild Wild West. It's, again... Big flop that year. 
Big Daddy, <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut. It's a bit of a obviously it's a time capsule. This this um this yeah. magazine, but it's like yeah, it's the big movies of the of the year. Um, Dylan, there's a bit about South Park I put in for you. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's uh, that's for the movie, yeah, isn't it? Yes, bigger, longer, and cut. Yeah, no worries. A, <laughs> what can I say? It's a it's a genuinely great movie. There you go, and a, an actual really good composed musical as well. Right, right. Two uh, Hands is a good movie too. I can see that though. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good movie. My uh, high school boyfriend revealed to me that he was afraid of my dad because my dad kind of looks like Brian Brown. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks just like him. As he should be scared. Oh, you yeah. would be scared. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, Fight Club gets a go too. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Pretty Boy Oscar nominees Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. <laughs> I wouldn't call Edward Norton a pretty boy. No. Ugly. Different strikes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, he's cute, but I wouldn't call him a pretty boy. Yeah. I mean, if you're putting him in the same category next to Brad Pitt, I guess. But, you know. Yes, <laughs> we all look pretty bad compared to Brad Pitt, so. <laughs> Um, I didn't send you this, but there is an, actually a, um, <laughs> kidding myself, there is an ad here for Max Magazine. It's the for Australian men, Australia's monthly mag for men. Pamela Anderson is on the cover. Oh, classic. Yeah. I, I can already imagine <laughs> what's... <laughs> She's wearing a, a very tasteful white number. So there you go. And Brian Brown's <laughs> he's interviewed in there. <laughs> There you go. Oh, my dad. Yeah, your dad's getting the run. <laughs> All right, we're wrapping up now. We're going to go to listeners at home. I wonder who you think in 1999 was the most punchable face on TV. Oh. If you think um... it was Eddie Maguire, you were correct, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the, the time of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? What are your memories of that show, Jessa? The, the initial rendition of that show um i think it gave me anxiety oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah you know like music. yeah yeah and um you know he, i i remember eddie Maguire was always kind of like like they'd lock it in and he'd be like are you sure like you know he mm. put that kind of mm-hmm. like little seed of doubt and that would like kind of make me a bit anxious i can't really watch game shows because they make me um frightened <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's got like anything that's got like like a ticking or a countdown, like it it makes me a bit nervous. It's funny. There's articles (laughs) about some different um, TV shows and Millionaire and some other game shows, but Millionaire Eddie's still going strong in the year 2023. So he's outlasted. I was gonna um I was gonna kind of bring this up before so mm. i don't know what it was about me but when i was younger i had a crush on like um paul mcdermott but also on um tim ferguson because he hosted a show called don't forget your toothbrush <laughs> did you got did you watch that i've never heard of that show in my life before no. <laughs> it was i don't know i don't remember what it was about at all but it was like a game show okay and at the end of it, you could win like a flight somewhere, and that's why it was called "Don't Forget Your Toothbrush" because you had to bring all your oh, stuff with you. And I guess you just uh, flew straight out of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
It didn't matter if you were ready or not. You had to like fly straight out after the show aired. <laughs> Different time, eh? Jeez. Yeah. Anyway. There you go. Thank I might. You um. That. Yeah. I'll. I'll look into that show and see if there's any clips on YouTube and send it to you. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dylan, the next bit are some games which I threw in for you. Do you want to talk about them at all? Do you have any strong things you want to say? Oh, no. Not really. It talks about the um, <laughs> Sega bringing out the Dreamcast, which is greatly anticipated, but it's also mm. like one of, if not the biggest flop in console history. Mm. So that's no good. Um, Quake 3 gets a run. I'm not really familiar with the Quake games. A lot of talking about Mario Kart 64, which is good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Solid stuff. Yeah, different time for games. It's funny looking back at the graphics, hey, because um, it's it's really weird because how far graphics have got in games in the last twenty years. But this was cutting edge back then. It was a style, just what you accepted. Mm-hmm. But no, no way you could do that these days. Um, like after that, and this magazine is just like some of yeah, weird. They have some of the ends of some of the other articles that didn't fit. They just sort of like go to page 110 and see the rest of it. So go through that. <laughs> but um, the hot stuff. What are the hot stuff attractions that we've got uh, here, Jess? Are you want to talk us through them? You can tell that this is just people who have paid them to advertise their stuff. Because <laughs> it's like that savvy phone again. Yeah. A Nescafe yeah. latte. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's got like a, um, yeah, the Savvy Phone, a Nescafe Latte, some like, um, I guess they're for skiing, goggles for skiing. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. I want to just read what this Nescafe Latte thing says. What have they done to promote the Nescafe Latte? With the new Nescafe Latte, it is now easy to make creamy, frothy cafe lattes to sip and savour at home. Simply boil the kettle and get your friends around. <laughs> it's, an, <laughs> it's an instant party. Yeah, it, Nes- yeah, it just Nes- sounds like Cafe. instant coffee. Yeah. Yeah, Nescafe lattes come in a range of creamy flavours while the funky flip-top jar helps keep it fresh. We're giving away seven cool latte packs valued at 90 bucks each. Each contains a Billy T-shirt, Billy Black satchel bag, Billy Magnet latte CD case, a sleek latte glass, and the full range of Nescafe lattes. Just tell us in 25 words or less what makes a good latte. <laughs> Send your entries to blah, 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 blah. I mean, 25 words on what makes a good latte. I don't know if I could do that. No. Well, it's... Yeah, you wonder how much they paid or what free stuff. They're... Obviously, they're throwing some three prizes in there, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking closer at this, Jess, I think you're right. I think it's just like brands who've like thrown in some some PR pitches for some things to be free- featured or they've sent us some free stuff and like organizing competitions. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Hanging with Billy is what some, what it says on the bag, the Nescafe bag. Yeah, good. Gross. Mm. Um, after that, there is some information about tours coming up. We've got, uh, Skunk and Nancy. Don't know who they are. Mark Seymour, uh, Ben Folds 5, heard of him and his mates, <laughs> and Silverchair with Placebo. There you go. Mm. Um, and also there's some reviews of some recent concerts that happened in New York. We've got 
The Smashing Pumpkins and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. There you go. And that is the whole magazine. We've done it. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Um, so what do we think of this Rolling Stones time capsule? Dylan, would you have paid four ninety five for it back in 1999? <laughs> I was going to say that. Probably, it's probably worth four ninety five. How much did you pay for it? I think I paid more than that. I think I paid about 15 bucks plus. Maybe 10 bucks plus shipping. Oh my gosh. It wasn't worth that, saying that. Damn it. <laughs> um, it was worth it because it brought us all together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Um, You're and right. Jessa, do you feel like watching some Star Wars now? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Well, I think no. it's, been, it's been good to reflect on the, um, the Jar Jar story though and I think I'm glad it's got a happy ending I think it could have could have gone very differently you know in the, the point of the podcast I, listening to again I don't want to like just keep saying the podcast said this but it was like we should probably reflect on a society on how we treat people and how we deal with that sort of public criticism slash bullying but I, I still don't oh, know yeah. how we're supposed to like individually what do we do when that happens like I guess not participate but yeah yeah well yeah. let me ask you this Mm. If Grogu is Baby Yoda, mm. who is who is the child? Same. Is, that's also, also Grogu. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's also. How it's am also I meant Grogu. to watch this show? I've got no idea. <laughs> it, in context, I think it would make sense. Okay. <laughs> in the in in the show, in like the scripts, he didn't have a name yeah. for like the first season. So in the scripts, he was called oh. the child. But everyone uh-huh. in society who watched the show just called him Baby Yoda. Yeah. And then it was revealed his name's Grogu. So he's all three. Oh. I, I thought I for a second there, Jesse, you're going to say who's Baby Jar Jar. Because that's next, right? Oh. oh God, they should no. have done that. Yeah. <laughs> no. That, that might happen. I want to hear another funny story. This is more about um, Dobby the elf, though, not Jar Jar being. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. okay. All right, you can cut this out. It's not really relevant, but it is still quite funny. So when I I used to work in a bottle shop that was attached to like a supermarket and um, there was a guy that worked on the back dock who couldn't pronounce the word sushi. Like he'd say like the sushi delivery is here. Okay. Right? And then this guy Uh started working there whose name was Joffrey and he must have done the trucks because every day it was like Joffrey to the back dock. And we were like, is his name Joffrey or can he just not say Jeffrey? <laughs> and then we were kind of like, is, is Joffrey like a name? And then my boss said, yeah, there's a guy like in one of those like shows like Harry Potter or whatever named Joffrey. Um, <laughs> I think he meant like um, Game of Thrones. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. But then one of the other girls that worked there was like, no, that's Gobby. <laughs> oh. Gobby the elf. Gobby the elf. Oh, oh my goodness. There's a lot right? to say. Yeah. I, okay. I, uh, I was like, a Gobby's a blowjob. And then it just went from there. <laughs> That's uh, quite we, we do love your stories, Jessa. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else to say in a get amongst it style suggestion? What have you been getting amongst recently? Um. Okay. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and recommend something that I haven't actually watched yet. Interesting approach. Sh- okay. I, I know, I know. So if it sucks, 
I mean, I'm just going to have to wear that. But I, I watched the trailer for a show on uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Let me just bring it up. I had mm-hmm. to screen grab it. It's called uh, Last Stop Larimar. Have you guys seen this? No. No. It's a two-part documentary about a little small town in the middle of Australia where they've got no internet or like cell phone reception. Mm-hmm. And only like 11 people live there. And then one of them goes missing, presumed murdered. So then the other 10 are like suspects and they've got like one of the residents runs a pub who has a pet crocodile. And then another one of the residents makes pies for a living. Oh, my God. So it kind of like, yeah, so it's like, uh uh-huh. So it's like cutting between like interviewing all these residents and one of them's like, who's to say he didn't feed it? Um, I think his name's Patty. Who's to say they didn't feed Patty to the crocodile? That's why the crocodile's so fat. Oh my god! And then, uh, yeah, and then like there's you know a voiceover from a man being like, "I reckon Patty ended up in a meat pie." Oh my god! <laughs> so okay. like I know it, it seems wild, and I I can't wait to watch it, and I think everyone else should watch it too. But if it sucks, um, I'm sorry. Oh, it, I just had a brief look here. It's got good reviews. Like, you know, we're talking yeah. about how reviews don't really matter, but you know, generally that, that's an indication. Okay, cool. Yeah, and from what I've heard, although the trailer kind of makes it seem a bit like, you know, funny and making mm. fun of like, you know, the residents of the town and how they're all just kind of making assumptions at each other and it's a bit, but um, apparently they like handle it quite well and it's not like right. a, um, okay. yeah, it's like a nice heartfelt documentary all right well let's watch that all and come back and reconvene and talk about yeah. um and you'll be back you'll be like that's the worst thing i've seen since <laughs> star wars the... no um <laughs> awesome well thank you for that jessa you're welcome back anytime um thank you. thank you so much for being here where can we find you if we wanted to find and hear more of you oh geez um well, I'm thinking about bringing back um, my girlfriend Dolly with maybe a guest host whilst Heidi's mm. busy being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet or not, but um, in the meantime, you can follow uh, our Instagram, which is at my girlfriend Dolly, and you can kind of see uh, pictures of the magazines from the archive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that'll be the first place you'll get notified if I do bring back the podcast. Amazing. And the pod's still around, isn't it? You can go back to the back catalogue and... No, I stopped paying for um, hosting. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm going to I'm gonna find somewhere to upload it for free, but I, um, yeah, I was getting hit with that uh, Buzzsprout fee every month and I just thought, you know mm. what? <laughs> no, one, no one's listening anyway, but... Um, well, I feel very privileged probably. then. I, I, I'm probably one of the people who listen to the whole thing. You listened to the whole thing before I t- like took it yeah, down because I'm a, a cheapskate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's keep us updated. Um, yeah. We'll we'll promote you the hell out of you when we can. Okay. Yes, please. Dylan, um, who do we thank? How do we wrap up? Where are we? What's going on? Well, we thank Mark the Man for the theme song. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're everywhere: Facebook, X, Instagram. We've got our own website. Every podcast app you can imagine, we're there and we're waiting for you. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been us. Thank you so much for being here again, Jessa. Um, thank you for listening. And I'm going to say, I miss you, man. I miss you, man. And we miss you, Jessa. Mm. I miss you guys. I miss you, man. Do I miss you?
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 